Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. It's a New Testament book. It's toward the end of our Bible. It is a letter uh, that we are going to read over the next few weeks. And here's some details on the book of Hebrews, right? Uh, First of all, who is the author? Well, the author, we don't know who it is. We don't know who wrote this book. Um, Some believe that it was Paul. Some say it was actually Luke. Others believe that it was other apostles or disciples. Um, Personally, I believe that it was Paul. It has Pauline-type theology and language. In fact, there's a, there's a mention of Timothy, and we know that Timothy was a student of Paul. He, he was his disciple, and so I believe Paul wrote it, but there's no mention. Usually, Paul, when he writes a letter, he says, I, Paul, and he, he goes on writing, you know, say, what's up to a primo, and go all that, that. This is not like that. This is just a straight speech, a letter, and so there is no mention of the author, uh, but because of different things in the letter, we believe that it was possibly Paul. Ultimately, we know the Holy Spirit inspired uh, somebody to write it and include it in the canon for a reason. And we're gonna see that reason for the next several weeks. Okay, the date. This book that we're reading, uh, when was it written? It was written approximately 65 to 70 AD. To give you a little bit of understanding, Jesus ascended. And so this is possibly 30, 35 years after Jesus ascended into heaven. Jerusalem still had sacrificial system happening, meaning the judicial, uh, the Jewish system was still happening where people would go to the temple and offer sacrifices for their sins. And so this is happening at that moment. There's Christians now all over Jerusalem, all over the known world, and this is the date of when this book was written. To who was it written? Well, it was written to Jewish Christians who were being persecuted and in turn tempted to return to Judaism. Some believers of Jesus uh, had started spreading all over Jerusalem and the known world, but there were some that were being persecuted for their faith. At some point in the letter, we're going to see that it mentions Italy, it mentions Rome, and so we believe that possibly it was to a group of believers in Italy who were being persecuted for being Christians. And so it was written to encourage them. This is where we see the purpose. What is the purpose? To encourage Christians to look forward. Somebody say, look forward. Look forward and realize the superiority of Jesus Christ and encourage them to endure persecution and hardships. In other words, I know you're being persecuted. I know life is tough right now. I know there's all kinds of things that are out of your control, but look to Jesus. He's got you and he's with you. Amen? What are some of the major themes that uh, in the book of Hebrews? Two major themes. You can write these down or whatever. Uh, the supremacy of Christ, number one. Number two, the perseverance of the saints. In other words, we're going to see how big and awesome Jesus is over the next several weeks. Uh, I'm excited about that because I think we need a better understanding of how great God is. And then also, hey, keep going. The perseverance of the saints. And he's encouraging them, don't give up the faith. And then we're going to look at the outline. And in the study guide, you're going to see the outline, the six ways that Hebrews is broken down from chapter 1 all the way to chapter 13. There's 13, 13, ah, 
I'm, I'm tongue twisted today. There's 13 chapters in the book of Hebrews. You're going to see the outline, whether it's in the booklet or uh, in the digital one. We're going to study all six weeks the book of Hebrews. Are you ready to get into it? I want you to grab your Bibles. I want you to grab your Bibles. We're going to read the first chapter of Hebrews today. As you're going there, look at the person next to you and tell them you look phenomenal this morning. Smile at somebody next to you on the chats. Let us know what city, what location you're watching in on Facebook, YouTube, Calvary Church Online. Look at the person on the other side and tell them you look better than the first person I turned to. <laughs> Come on, we're beginning an awesome study in the book of Hebrews. All right, go to the book of Hebrews. It's toward the back. It's after first and second uh, Timothy is after Philemon. Go to the book of Hebrews. Go to chapter 1. Today we're going to start with the first section of Hebrews, the first part of the outline. I'm going to try to cover two chapters in our conversation. And uh, we're, just going to, we're just going to have a conversation about it. But beginning tomorrow, you're going to start reading uh, verse by verse. And I think it's going to be awesome as we all go through this book together. I really believe it's going to mature our life. Uh, today, let's read the first chapter. It's a short chapter, and I think it's important. And so if you don't have a Bible, uh, read the person's next to you's Bible. Yeah, just grab their Bible and uh, read it, share it. I think it's important to take in what chapter one says. It is awesome. Chapter one is amazing. And so if you're there, can you say amen? amen? The word of the Lord says this, beginning in verse one. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, who he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited and is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I've begotten you. Or again, I'll be a father to him and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and have hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundations, the earth, in the beginning. And the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They all wear out like a garment, like a robe you roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years have no end. And to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? The first 14 verses are powerful. They're beautiful. And there's a lot to unpack right at the beginning of this letter. As today we look at chapter 1 and 2, I want to begin with uh, this title in mind, Jesus the Better Communicator. Jesus the Better Communicator. Write that down as we start this study through the book of Hebrews. Let's talk about this first section 
and what the writer is saying. Why don't we pray first, ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us, and uh, then uh, we'll, we'll talk about it for the next 25 minutes, 30 minutes, and then we'll go outside and make sure we join a connect group. Father, we thank you so much. Thank you for today. Thank you for every service. Thank you for every person here connected online around the world. Thank you for Calvary Church, this family, this household of faith. Thank you for letters that you've kept for us to learn and lean in and get a revelation of who you are. God, we pray that you would speak to us today. Holy Spirit, have your way in our life, in our church. God, open up our eyes to see you better today. Thank you for loving people like us. We love you. We thank you. And it is in the name of Jesus that all of Calvary Church says, oh, come on, all of Calvary says, can you make some noise for Jesus one more time? Come on. Recently, I read about a brand new study that came out about the connection between the brain and the body, the brain and the body. Uh, researchers at Yale University have recently discovered three new key features that our brain and body sends through our nervous system. And the three key features that they've discovered in the revelations of the communication between the body is that number one, the brain automatically knows which organ is in need of something. Through the nervous system, it communicates and it knows this organ, whether it's the lungs, the stomach, the liver, it knows when something's wrong. The second key feature is that your brain also knows automatically where within the organ, what tissue layer needs the help. It's incredible how the brain and the body communicates. And the third key feature is not only what organ and what tissue layer, it also knows what is the stimulus within there that needs a function to be done. It is crazy how the body and the brain communicate. They communicate because they are connected through a nervous system. I was thinking about this study because I was thinking that communication happens only when you are connected. The moment you become disconnected, there is no communication. And so a lot of us today, we're frustrated because we're not listening, we're not hearing from God, God, I, I don't know what you want to do in my life. And I really believe it happens because there is a disconnect between us and God. We're living in the most connected era of all time. We are connected through social media, all kinds of platforms. Yet people today are more disconnected than ever before. We are on all kinds of social media, yet the least social generation ever. Right? We are extremely disconnected people in spite of the connections that are offered to us. And so if you want to hear from God, you got to connect to God so that God can communicate with you. Amen? Amen. And so what are you connected to today? I wonder what we're connected to. A lot of times we're connected to everything else but God. We're connected to Instagram. We're connected to Facebook. We're connected with friends and family, all kinds of news outlet. We know what's going on in every magazine, in the entertainment world, in the social media platforms, but we're not connected to God's word. We're not connected to his promises. We're not connected to where he wants to speak into our life. And if we're not connected, we will not have communication. In fact, I believe the problem is this. Connection brings direction, but disconnection brings confusion. Connection will give you direction for your life. Okay, if I connect with my maker, if I connect with my creator, I'm going to have direction for my life. But the moment there's a disruption in the system or a disconnection in the system, confusion steps in. Now, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. 
I'm disconnected from the one who is supposed to lead me. And so now I'm confused. And, and, and all of us here, we know that you turn on the TV and we will see our world is confused today. We are so confused confused today we are confused about everything today in our world we're confused about the future we're confused about what to do we're confused about where we're supposed to go we're confused about marriage we're confused about family we're confused about kids we're confused about gender we're confused about sex we're confused about everything we are living in a confused and lost world and everybody's searching everybody's looking for direction where do I go? What do I do? We're looking for something better. We're looking for satisfaction. We're looking for success. What can fill me? I need purpose for my life. And we're all looking and searching in search for the better, but nothing seems to fill us. It is all futile because it does not come from our creator, God. And if you want satisfaction today, if you want to find purpose today, if you want to find direction, you have to connect to the creator. If not, we'll live in confusion. And God, we've all been confused over the last several years. That's why it's important. God, I'm going to connect with you. Some of us are in here today and, and you're feeling empty. You're feeling confused. You're feeling like you have no direction for your life. Where do I do? Where do I go? There's confusion on all kinds of aspects. I want to tell you today, God wants to speak to you. He is a God who speaks. He is a God who communicates. He's a God who leads. He's a God who directs. He's a God who comes and checks us and say, don't go right. Don't go left. Keep going straight. I got this blessing for you. Don't you go on to the left. Keep walking straight. Keep walking narrow. I want to bless you. I, come on. Anybody grateful for a God that leads us and gives us direction? But where there is disconnection, there's confusion. And so we have to connect with God. And as long as we stay connected, there'll be communication. Today, I wonder if we're communicating with God. Are we connected with God? Some of us in here today, we're tired, we're worn out, we're empty. We're saying, God, I'm confused. Listen, he wants that. That's why the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And in all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will straighten out your paths. Come on. That's the God that we have. And whatever you do, Proverbs says, trust the Lord and he will establish the work of your hands. He wants to establish us. He wants to lead us. He wants to guide us. He wants to direct us. He wants to make sure we're walking straight. He wants to lead us into our destiny, into our purpose. He doesn't want lost children, confused children. He wants to lead us. Amen. In fact, I put it this way today. Keep looking forward to continue living full. If you hear something today about the first part of Hebrews is that you got to keep your eyes forward on Jesus if you want to have a full life. Right? The Bible says he came to give us life and life to the fullest. He wants his body. He wants his children. He wants his church to have life to the fullest. Your eyes must be connected to Jesus. Can I get an amen? amen. And when we're connected, there's communication. Hebrews, what an amazing letter this is. I'm excited that we're starting this study, and we've been wanting to do this study for a long time, and I love that it fell in 2022 because our vision this year is moving forward. As a church, it's what we've been talking about. And the Old Testament book that we studied earlier this year was Joshua, and it was about moving forward into the promises. The New Testament, Hebrews, is about moving forward to the better life that Jesus offers. Now, now this letter, it starts off packing a punch, the, the author is, he is writing a speech. He's writing this incredible letter to tell us all about 
Jesus. In the first few lines alone, he begins to blow our mind as he begins to describe who Jesus is. It's a grand formal opening. It's not a letter saying, I, Paul. It's not Peter saying hello to all his friends. It goes right to the point of who Jesus is. Because in this letter, he wants you and I to know how incredible, marvelous, great our Savior is. And so if we forgot and get ready for the next six weeks, because it's all about Jesus. He's the only one. He's the answer. He's the solution. He's the cure. He's it. Jesus, it's all about him. As we begin this letter, I love what one commentator said about the book of Hebrews. He writes this. He says, right at the very start, there is a sweeping conclusion of the biblical history with the climax on Jesus Christ. It is eloquent, it is masterful, and it is theologically stacked. Woo! Right at the very beginning, the author is going to give a conclusion of all of the New Testament and how it all points to Jesus. Right at the very start, he's going. He's like, I don't know if you're ready or not, here I come. And he's going to talk about Jesus because he's writing to Christians who are being persecuted. We think we have persecution because somebody unfriended us <laughs> on social media. Well, I, I, I'm suffering for the gospel because people think I'm crazy for following Jesus. These people were being kicked out of homes. It was not socially cool or acceptable to be a Christian. Some of them lost businesses. Some of them lost families and friends because they started following Jesus. Hard times will shake your faith. And it was causing a lot of them to turn back to Judaism and say, whoa, following Jesus is hard. I, I think I'd rather go to the temple and sacrifice animals. I think I'd rather go talk to a human priest because this is difficult. And he's saying, don't you look back, look forward to Jesus because he's the only one. I wonder if hard times has shaken your faith today. And maybe we don't go back to priests and animals and sacrifices, but you've gone back to toxic circles, bad relationships, bad habits, sins that you left behind. And you're looking back as you're saying, this is too difficult. Let Hebrews encourage you today to look forward. And so right at the very start, he, he's going for it. Look how he begins. One more time. Look how he begins. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 2. Long ago, at many times and in many ways... God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. The first couple of verses are full. And what we see is, as we begin this study, what we see, number one, is that God communicates. We have a God who speaks. And now he speaks through Jesus. Hebrews is all about Jesus. Charles Spurgeon in the 1800s, and he was getting ready to preach through the book of Hebrews. He says, tonight I have nothing to do but to preach Jesus. Because this is all about Jesus. And so the author, he says, okay, hey, long ago God spoke through many different, various forms and through different ways through the prophets. What he's saying is that God has always spoken. If you're, if you're wondering if God speaks, if you're wondering if there is a God, he's saying it's plain as day. God is always spoken. And if you are willing to listen, you will hear God. 
right? Basically what he's saying is God has spoken in his eloquence through the cosmos. You go outside and you see the clouds and the suns and the stars and the trees and you see it all and you're like, there has to be a God. Who created, that's God showing off saying, I'm a painter, I'm a designer, I'm an architect, I'm the best one there is, there's nobody like me. That's God speaking to humanity. Like, you and I, our outfit today, we had to coordinate it, hopefully. You got up this morning, you looked in your closet, you picked some outfit and hopefully you're matching a little bit and you looked in the mirror. There was somebody who had to put it in order. If you look at your shirt, there was somebody who designed it. Like nobody grabs a bunch of like, like, like just yarn, throw it in a closet, and a shirt comes out. Right? Somebody had to like begin to stitch it, sew it, put it together, cut. Like there's an architect, designer, there's a painter behind every painting. There's an orderer that puts things together. How can you go outside and say there is no God? He put the planets in order. He put the solar system in order. He put our bodies in order. He put the brain and the body. Come on, God speaks. He's talking. Just look outside. There is a God. He's powerful and he's always talking. And so he, he says, whoa, long ago through different forms, God has always spoken. Today, the Bible, said, the Bible says, if you look for God with all your heart, you shall find him. God wants to speak to us today. Are we connected to him? And it says he spoke through prophets. You go through all the Old Testament and you see God spoke to Moses. God spoke through Jeremiah. God spoke through Haggai, Amos, Malachi, all the old prophets. God would show up and speak to them and they would speak to the people of God. How can you say there is no God? Look at all the stuff that he's done. Look at the way he spoke to all those fathers of our faith. He's a God who speaks. But he says in the last days, he's now speaking through his son. Woo, right at the very beginning. I love the book of Hebrews, right? Right at the very beginning. Now he's speaking through his son. In the Greek, he says, in his son. In other words, you want to hear God speak? Look at Jesus. That's literally what he's saying. Right at the beginning of this letter, he says, if you want to hear God, look at Jesus. Because God has spoken through his son. Today, if we're wondering, what is God like? Does he care about me? Does he know we're a small church in Italy that's being persecuted? Where is God? Look at his son Jesus. He cares. He loves. He's concerned. He walks. He bled. He died. He resurrected all for you. Come on. There's a God who speaks. He says, look to Jesus. And then he goes in and he says, he's the radiance. He's the exact representation of the Father. In other words, if you see Jesus, you've seen God. This is deep. Because in the Old Testament it says nobody could see God. We see God, we die. God is that powerful, that holy. We talked about it a few weeks ago. Don't play with God. He just, like, in, in like Nathan Finocchio says, zap, done. Right? But he says, I'm going to become dirt. I'm going to become a man so that you can see me, hear me, and know what I'm like. Because God is a communicator. Are we connected to the communicator? In other words, God had all these ways of communicating, but now there's a better communicator. A better way named Jesus. In the Greek, what he's saying there is that Jesus has the character of God. And he's the, he's the exact imprint of God. Look at the way N.T. Wright puts it. I mean, Ken Hughes. Ken Hughes says it this way. The cosmic eloquence of God is deafening, but many will not hear it. And even those who hear, hear partially. 
The elegance, the eloquence of God is always there for the believer willing to hear it. Are you willing to hear what God says? Of Jesus and his image of God, N.T. Wright says, it is as though the exact imprint of the Father's very nature and glory has been precisely reproduced in the soft metal of the Son's human nature. Now it is there for all the world to see. In old times, an emperor would put his image on a coin so that when you saw the coin of whatever country it was, you said, I know who the emperor is. I know what he looks like. In the Greek, what Hebrews is saying in chapter 1 is that Jesus is the imprint of God the Father. So when you see Jesus, you know what the Father is like. In other words, in the Old Testament, we had sketches of God. In the New Testament, Jesus is the portrait of God. Jesus is it. You want to know what God is like? Look to Jesus. You want to know if God cares? Look at Jesus. You want to know if God understands? Hear Jesus. You want to know if God is concerned? Hear the words of Jesus. He is God. He is the image of God. He's the radiance of God. He's not just a resemblance. He is God in the flesh. He's the imprint, the radiance, the glory of Almighty God walking in the flesh. This is Christ Jesus. By him the universe by, was made. By him the planets were hung. By him the stars shine. And he walked here amongst you humanity so that we can know him and hear him that's Jesus and now after he says this is Jesus he's awesome he's God look to him he's now going to begin in verse 1 what we just read he's going to begin to lay out a persuasion like a lawyer to say he's better than anything you've looked to in the past and he goes into seven Old Testament passages that he quotes right there in chapter 1. We just read them. That says, hey, by the way, he's better than angels. Now, he's talking to Jewish Christians. To Jewish Christians, angels were a big deal. Look what it says, verses 5 and 6. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I've begotten you. Or again, I'll be a father to him and he shall be me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says... Um, he says, let all God's angels worship him. To which of the angels did God ever say that? None. But yet because of his son and to his son, he says, you are my begotten son. You will sit at my right hand. You are the author and the finisher. You are the one that all the angels worship. In other words, stop looking at angels when there's one greater than angels. His name is Jesus Christ. And he's going to use all these Old Testament passages to show Jesus is better than angels. In Judaism, angels were important because angels delivered the law. They would come down from heaven and they were messengers. So in Judaism, there was high respect for angels. And I'm not saying we shouldn't. We should respect angels. We love angels. Everyone's thankful for angels. And I believe angels exist. But we don't worship angels. What happened is when they were being persecuted and their faith was being shaken, they're like, I don't know about Jesus. I'm going to go back and worship angels. I need my angel to appear. It's much like today's culture. You'll walk into a bookstore. You'll walk into different places, and then they got all kind of angels. And people are worshiping angels. What's the name of your angel? Right? And we got angels all over the place. And if we're not careful, we'll put angels above Jesus. I thank God for angels, and I believe God surrounds us with angels. I really do believe that. I believe that the people of God are protected by angels. I believe angels, I believe angels are here right now. I'm thankful for angels. 
But I'm thankful for Christ Jesus that all the angels worship. They see him and they say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. He's better than angels. He's better than the cute, precious moment angel you got in your kitchen cabinet. He's better than that angel with a diaper on flying somewhere. He is God in the flesh. He's the son of God. He is king. He is Lord. He's awesome. Don't go worshiping angels. Worship Jesus. He's the only one. And so he says, why are you going back to worship angels? He's better than angels. The angels worship him. That's literally what he's saying. Remember, they were being tempted. We're being thrown out of houses. This is too hard to follow Jesus. I'll go back to the temple. I'll sacrifice and I'll wait on an angel. Something greater than an angel came. His name is Jesus. Look to Jesus. He's awesome. And there's none like him. And he does a whole debate in chapter one. He's like, look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Look forward. Look forward. Don't you go back. Don't you go back. God has communicated. He communicates now through his son. I know the angels delivered the message in the past, but now he came himself. It's beautiful. He's the better communicator. For sure the angels communicated. For sure the angels came and they delivered the law. But now one greater is coming. His name is Jesus. Maybe you're not worshiping angels, but today's world, we, we go to crystals. We go to horoscopes. We go to new age. We go to psychics. We go to all these people. Tell me, talk to me because I don't trust the words of Jesus enough. And if we're not careful, we'll look back instead of moving forward. Look forward to the perfecter, the author of our faith, Christ Jesus. Because he communicates. God communicates, but number two, God also corrects. He corrects. Look what the Bible says in chapter two, the first three verses. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable and every transgressor or disobedience received a just retribution, how should we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Okay, what's happening here? The book of Hebrews has five major warnings. This is the first one. The writer, he's saying, Jesus, he's it. He's the radiance, the imprint, the graving of God. This is God in the flesh. He's better than angels. He's above angels. He's superior to angels. Angels worship him. Now, pay attention so that you don't drift away. First warning, pay attention. He's coming to correct the church. He's coming to say, hey, you've been looking backwards. Hey, you're drifting away. Don't drift. Stop drifting. Me and Diana... We were in St. Augustine a few weeks ago at a, a, friend, a friend's church who asked us to speak on Sunday. And we had never really been to St. Augustine, so we went a day earlier to enjoy the beach. And we got on the beach and the water, and it was awesome. And there were some strong currents and some strong waves. And after a few minutes, I looked to the shore, and we, we were already at a distance from where we had laid our towels and our umbrella. If you're not careful, you will drift away. How much more with the waves and the storms and the currents of life? The waves of this world will hit you. All kind of tribulations, sickness, disease, grief, trouble. They'll come and they'll hit the soul. And if you're not careful, slowly you'll start drifting from Jesus. All of a sudden you look and you're like, I, I never realized I was so far from God. 
I lost my passion to worship him. I lost the hunger that I had for his word. I've drifted. I've drifted. Some of you here today, you're watching, you've drifted away from God. We've drift. How do we drift? We, we're not in our word the way we should. We're not worshiping the way that we should. We haven't connected with the communicators, so there's a disconnection, and we're drifting away by the problems of life, the waves that crash on our soul. We've all been there. Life is difficult. Where's that passion? Where's, where's that love that we had for Jesus? It's too hard, so I look back. Where's that prayer life that we once had? When it was worship and prayer night, we used to be there. Now, now I'll skip this one because I'm just, life is hard. We've, we're drifting. We're looking back. The last time we picked up the Bible was last week when we came to church, but all week I haven't read. Drifting. He says, pay attention and don't drift because this salvation is more reliable than the one that the angels came to deliver. And he says, when angels came and delivered salvation in the past and they delivered this great message, oh, you paid attention. And if that form of salvation was reliable, how much more now through Jesus who's greater than angels? And he says, there were consequences of not paying attention to God in the past. How much more now if you don't pay attention to God in the flesh? Oof. This is power. God comes to correct his people because he wants to connect with his people. Today, God perhaps wants to correct some of us. And he's saying, hey, get your life right. You've been drifting. Hey, that's not the way you talk. Hey, that's not the way you live. You, you know. Hey, you're my son. You're my daughter. Come home. Hey, I, hey, I made you. You know you got a purpose. You know you got a calling. Hey, you know you shouldn't be with that crowd. You know. You know you shouldn't be in that relationship. You know you should. Hey, God comes to correct us. Hey, you're drifting. I love you. Come on, come on, get back over here. Hey, I know you're tempted to look back, but I got you. And come on, we're moving on to a greater place. I got a destiny, blessing. I got eternal salvation for. Don't you drift anymore. I got you. Come on, he wants to rekindle the gift, the love, the passion that was once there. That's King Jesus. And correction is good for the soul. I don't know about you, but I'm glad when he's corrected me. Hey, hey, stop looking back. Stop looking at the things of this world that only bring you down. Look up. Look to King Jesus. He corrects. Not only does he correct our life, he's going to correct the standing of the world. Chapter 2, after that beginning section, you got to read it this week. The writer goes into a profound detail of how Jesus is the founder, the pioneer, and the captain of this new way of salvation. It's beautiful. He says, we were supposed to be dominating the earth. But human beings, we lost dominion over the earth because the first Adam sinned. We were supposed to have reign, rule, and power and dominion over the earth. In Genesis chapter 1, it says, subdue the earth and have dominion. Is what he told Adam. But Adam sinned and he lost it. So the second Adam came. His name is Jesus. And everything that the first Adam lost, the second Adam is going to bring back. And he goes into talking about the power of Jesus and how the whole world is in subjection to him. It's beautiful. And he calls him the founder, the pioneer in the Greek, the captain, the leader of this new way of life. And he says he made him a little bit lower than the angels for a little while. And after his death, he lifted him up and he crowned him with honor and majesty. And now the whole world is subject to him. And he's at the right hand of the father. 
Jesus is not just a prophet. Jesus is not just an angel. Jesus is not a good guru. He's not a love guy. He's not just a good teacher. He is the king of kings. And he rules with a scepter of righteousness. And he sits on the throne. And he's going to bring the whole world back to order. He's the captain. He's the leader. He is the one that's leading us into this glorious future. Look forward. There's much more ahead than whatever you are leaving behind. There's blessings ahead. There's life ahead. There's hope ahead. Keep your eyes on him. Don't you look back. He's the captain. And he's turning everything right back up. And everything is in subjection. The Bible says one day. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Christ Jesus is Lord. And with it, and with it, we get to rule with him. It's profound. This is deep. I'm telling you, read it this week. He says, you and I, because of our leader, the captain, the founder, the pioneer, one day we're going to rule and reign with Captain Jesus. And we're going to get back to minion and subdue the earth. So trust is Jesus. He's going to correct the way. Why is there so much evil in the world? God's going to one day do away with all the evil. Oh, he's going to do it. Why has he done it yet? Because he's patient with you. You want him to get rid of all of evil? He'll get rid of you. First one to go. Lord, thank you for being patient. Why don't you just take out some of the bad people? Where do you draw the line? All of us are bad. And his patience, he's giving us time to turn to him. But one day, the captain's coming, and the world's going to be right side up. Chapter 2 is beautiful. God communicates, God corrects, and we'll finish with number 3. He connects. Look how he finishes this section toward chapter 2. He begins to talk about Jesus as our brother. It's beautiful. He's greater than the angels, superior. He's king, yet he's our brother. Verse 11 in chapter 2 says, For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. In other words, Jesus who sanctifies and us who he's sanctifying all have one source. That's God, God the Father. This is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers. It's powerful. What the writer is saying is the old way of the temple, the sacrifices, the killing of the animals for your sins, the old priests, they were not your brothers. And they don't care and they're not as close as Jesus. He and us have one source and that's God our Father. And because of him, he calls us now his brothers and sisters. All of us, we, we walk around. Some of us have been walking with Jesus. We walk around really proud sometimes. And we're like, we are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. That's true. But we shouldn't be blown away that we're not ashamed. We should be blown away that he's not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. We're sinners. We're broken. If it wasn't for him, we'd be lost. We'd be confused. We'd be done with. But yet he came. And he became a man so that you and I could be his brother and his sister. And he's telling this little Jewish church, Jewish Christians living somewhere in Italy, he's your brother. In other words, God is close to you. He's close. He cares. He knows what you're going through. He calls you brother. He calls you sister. He's with you in the fight. He's with you in the struggle. 
And I don't know about you, but I know that in the middle of the night, in the dark night of the soul, like old ancient people used to say, I'm glad that I have a brother that fights with me. He's with me in the battle. He's with me in the storm. He's with me in the middle of the ocean when all of hell is breaking loose. I got a friend that's closer than a brother. His name is Jesus. And toward the end of chapter 2, he begins to explain why Jesus had to become a man. He was greater than the angels. For a little while, he became lower than the angels so that he could be with you and I. So that he could suffer like you and I. So that he could understand us. And so that we would see him. Jesus became dirt like you and I are made out of dirt. He, he became human clay so that we can call him our brother and so that he will become our high priest. The end of chapter two, verses 16 and 18, for surely it is not angels that he helps. He doesn't help out angels, but he helps out the offspring of Abraham. Who are the offspring of Abraham? You and I, when we become believers in Jesus, we are now part of Abraham's family. That means children of God, basically. Who does he help? Not angels, he helps us. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has, we can go to the next verse, to make propitiation for the sins of the people, because he himself suffered when tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. In other words, he became dirt so that he become our brother and then to be the priest that understands. So that when you're being tempted, you can understand there's a God who understands you. What is this saying? And we'll finish with this. Back in the Old Testament, people used to go to this temple. And this is still happening when this letter is being written. And if you've sinned, you go to the priest. You're like, I've sinned. And here are my sheep. Here are my oxen. Here's my bull. And, and go sacrifice this animal before God's presence for me so that there could be forgiveness for me. This priest had no idea what you went through. This priest could care less about your life. He would just grab the animal, go and sacrifice it, and cover your sins for a little while because it was not a perfect creature. There was no pure blood. And so for a while, your sins were covered and paid for. Because God's wrath gets angry at sin. Yes, God is love. But God is holy and he has to deal with sin. The Bible says Jesus now became that priest. When he was here on earth, he became the priest. And instead of grabbing a sheep, an ox, or a bull, he presented himself before the Father. And he says, no animal can cover sins. My pure blood can cover the sins of the world. And so he took on the wrath of God so that you and I can receive the love of God. That is the gift of God. That is love. That is salvation. That is beautiful. He became my high priest. And he understands so that when you and I are in trouble, we got a priest who understands. So that when you and I are suffering, we got a priest who understands. We got a high priest. Well, he himself suffered when tempted. And he's able to help those who are being tempted. Today, he understands. He cares. He connects. Because he wants to communicate. And he says, I know what you're going through. I know life has been hard. I know you've grieved. I know you've lost. I know you've suffered. But you can trust me. I, I became dirt like you, clay like you. And you can come to me because I understand. And I want to connect with you. And I want to communicate with you so that I can help you in your time of suffering. The high priest would go into the presence of God, would sacrifice an animal. And if he was wrong with God, he would die on the spot. You don't enter God's presence if you were full of sin. 
The high priest needed to make sure he was clean before God. He was sacrificing animals. Then he would come out and he would continue his work for the people. Notice chapter 1 and 2. It says he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. It's powerful because you don't sit down until the work is done. I worked with my father my whole life growing up. My dad is the hardest working guy I've ever met in my life. I mean, just a legend. And if I was ever working with my dad, you would not sit down for a moment. My dad would make sure we were working the entire time. If me and my brother for a moment, we would sit down, take a break. He's like, what are you doing? We're not done. We're not done. What are you doing? Dad, I just wanted to check. Somebody sent me a message. I don't care if somebody sent you a message. We're working. And I'm glad because I was trained from an early age what it is to work hard and pay attention. There was nothing like finishing the job because I remember finally we would go sit down. And once you sit down, you, you know the job is done. Hebrews chapter 1 begins by saying, he is it. This is God. He, he's the image of God. He's the exact representation. And he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. In other words, he's not a priest that has to come in and out, always saying, here are your sins. Let me go take it out. No, the job is done. He's gone up to the Father, presented himself as a sacrifice, and now he's taken a seat. Jesus is sitting next to God right now saying the job is done. All your sins have been paid for. I covered it all from beginning to end. I'm the high priest that can finish the job. Can nothing else do it. You can't pay for your own sins. You can't pay for your sacrifice. Stop striving. Stop trying and trust King Jesus. Father, we thank you. Come on with every hand lifted. We thank you, Father. What priests couldn't understand, what the old sacrificial system couldn't do. Jesus, it's all been done in you. You're the better communicator. You're the great high priest. You're better than angels. You're awesome, Jesus. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your blood that still speaks freedom, forgiveness, and healing today. Come on with hands lifted today. If you're suffering today, if you're going through a difficult moment in your life, he understands, he cares. He was tempted and suffered so that when you would be tempted and suffer, he would know, he would connect, he would help. He's our help in our time of trouble. Father, I pray that you reveal yourself to us today. Thank you that we can trust you, that we don't look back to old systems, old ways, old friendships, old habits, but we look to King Jesus. Can't nothing help us like Jesus. Nothing can understand us like Jesus. And so we look to you, eyes on Jesus. We connect with you and we hear you, Lord. Open up our ears and let him who has an ear, let him hear. He's speaking. Thank you, God. With every eye closed, with every head bowed, we're leaving in just a moment. I'm going to ask the church to pray for just one more moment. Eyes closed and head bowed here. If you're online and you can, why don't you close your eyes as well. Today, if you're in here today and you're saying, Alex, I don't know God. I feel far from God. Maybe you're saying, that's me. I've drifted away. I, I don't know who God is. I feel so far, so distant from God. I've been disconnected. There's been no communication between me and God. I don't even know if he wants anything to do with me. Maybe you're thinking, God, he must not want me because I, I've done too much wrong, too much damage. I've sinned. I've done stuff that nobody knows about. Well, the Bible says all of us are sinners. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. I want to tell you today that there's not one perfect person in this place today. 
we've all sinned, we've all done wrong, thought wrong, said wrong. And the Bible says that our sin, it separates us from God because God is holy, he has to deal with sin. But like we just talked about, God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son Jesus so that whosoever believes in him will not die but have everlasting life. In other words, Jesus came to earth, God in the flesh, and he took my sins, your sins, carried him on his shoulders, went up on a cross at a place called Calvary, and there he gave up his life for me and for you. The Bible says he died, he was laid in a grave, and he was there for three days, and it looked like sin and death had won, but after three days, the stone was rolled away, and Jesus, he resurrected. He defeated death. Chapter 2 in Hebrews says, we are no longer mastered by death. You don't have to fear death because Jesus, he conquered death. Even death is subject to Jesus now. And he resurrected and he's at the right hand of the Father. And one day he is coming. Today, I wonder if you have a relationship with this God. I wonder if your sins have been forgiven. With every eye closed, with every head bowed. Today, if you're saying, Alex, I got sin. I know I need forgiveness. I got, I got shame and guilt. Today, I want to start a relationship with God the Father. Today, if you're in here and you're saying, Alex, I need a brand new start, I need a brand new beginning. With every eye closed, with every head bowed, if that's you, I'm gonna count to three. And at the, at, when I count to three, I want you to raise your hand. I'm not gonna embarrass you, I'm not gonna call you. Every eye closed, every head bowed, in a moment of privacy, in a moment of prayer. I wanna see who I'm praying for. I would love to pray for you today. After you raise your hand, you can put it right back down. When I count to three, if that's you, if you're saying, I need Jesus, I need forgiveness, I wanna put my faith and trust in him, you raise your hand. One, two, Three, raise your hand as high as you can, as high as you can. Hands raised up everywhere. I see you, 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 I see you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Anybody else? You say I've drifted. I'm gonna come back. If you need Jesus, you lift up your hand. If you're watching online, you can make that decision right there in your home, in your office, wherever you're at. We got pastors and leaders in the chat. Let them know I'm making this decision. I need Jesus. And they'll pray for you in the chat as well. Every eye closed, every head bowed, I'm going to say a simple prayer. I want you to repeat this prayer with me out loud because the Bible says, if you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. And so we're going to say it out loud. We're going to pray this prayer together, putting our faith and our trust in Him. In fact, the whole church, come on, let's say this out loud. Repeat after me. Say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. I know that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Come on, say, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God, that you died for my sins, and on the third day, you resurrected. Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. From today on, I'm saved, I'm forgiven, and I'm healed. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Come on, come on, Calvary. Amazing went up all over the place and if you're watching online and you raise your hand really quick today we're doing something new which is awesome if you raise your hand it's only for people that made a decision to follow Jesus we actually have free gift for you outside it's a cool little package go by the connect area you're gonna see the tent right out there in the middle before you sign up for a connect group get this gift bag it includes the Bible we want to give you a free Bible today it's for new Christians we also have a notebook a coffee tumbler a free coffee on us from Circle Cafe today we got some hookups some stickers all that pass by and pick up the bag we want to make sure you get a Bible free on us today we love you go and pick up that bag one more time give them a big big hand Come on. Yeah, come on. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, 
Go pick up your free gift, and uh, it's absolutely free, no strings attached. We want to help you on your journey with God. The rest of us, come on, let's pick up our study guide. Tomorrow we begin reading the book of Hebrews. If this is part one, I'm excited for the rest of Hebrews, and I think it's going to be a good book for the soul. Make sure you sign up a connect group. Again, we got young adults. We got men's, women's, young adults. Uh, we got teens, every kind of connect group. There's a party going on outside. Join us out there. Let's lift up our hands. Father, we thank you. We love you. Go before us this week. Have your way in our life. We give you all the glory, all the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on.